If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm Joe and the pastor here at City View. Thank you, uh, Christy and Madeline, for sharing. Um, we're in a series right now on mental health, and so I was, thanks, Madeline, for a shout-out on the Mental Health Fund. As she mentioned, she was one of the recipients of a, a micro-grant, mental health micro-grant, this year, and we've uh, distributed quite a few to individuals who want to get additional uh, support. Uh, today, uh, as we're in this series, as I mentioned, um, there's a couple of things. Uh, you received today, uh, hopefully, if you didn't, we'll get you one, a, a little uh, mental health toolkit. We are. Um, m- we might at some point kind of look at this and spend some time with it today. Um, most likely, we're going to spend most of next week on it, but I want you to have that. So put it somewhere safe. Bring it next week. We'll have more next week as well. Um, and uh, we'll be talking about this. Hopefully, we'll have some time here to, to introduce it a little bit more. But a big part of this series is just allowing people to share their stories. And so uh, we're going to hear another story this morning, um, which is a big part of uh, worship. We don't really get to hear as many stories as I think uh, we should. So this series is heavy on the stories. And uh, so thank you, Madeline. And now um, we've asked Jen Shuey to share her mental health story. And uh, Jen is not only on staff, she's our administrator, but before she was hired on staff, she uh, took over our mental health fund um, for our church. So she's the point person. If you apply for the fund, it goes to her and me, and we work together to get things approved and processed. And uh, so as like the the team leader for mental health fund, uh, asked her if she'd be willing to share and uh, so, yeah, come on up. Okay. So as Joe said, I'm Jen Shui. I am admin and team lead for the Mental Health Fund. Um, when Joe asked me to come up and talk about, you know, why I took over the Mental Health Fund and why it's so important to me, Um, I thought the best way to do that was share my own journey with mental health. Um, And it encompasses most of my life. Um, Just a warning uh, for any younger people in the audience, parents, be ready to have conversations because I am going to touch on some really um, difficult things. Um, So my first memory of crippling anxiety was at five years old. We had gone to a fire department for a field trip, and they taught us how to get out of a burning building because stop, drop, and roll was like paramount at that point. Um, So when we came home, I had a friend over, and they were telling me all the different ways I could get out of my specific room, my bedroom, if there was a fire. And at that point, I began a nightly ritual of two to three hours just going through all of the different ways I could escape not only the fire, but save all of my family if there was a fire in my house. And this was a very, very real thing for me. I had no idea that it had a name, and that name was anxiety. Um, This continued for about four years, um, and at nine years old, um, there was a night that I was laying in bed. My siblings and I had decided to do a sleepover. I am one of six children, by the way. Um, And so I was laying in bed, And I was spiraling, and I was spiraling. And at this point, it was 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning. I was in tears, and I was paralyzed with fear. I could not move. I could not think of anything except how to escape this imaginary fire. And in that moment, I cried out to God, and I said, God, help. I can't do this. And the only way I can describe the feeling that came over me is like a warm blanket. And it was this indescribable peace that I have never felt since and I had not felt before. 
but in, it encompassed me and I immediately fell asleep. And I tell you this moment because in all of the difficulty that I face in my life, that is the God that I cling to, the God that was there for a nine-year-old, an inconsequential little girl sitting in bed, terrified. So I would love to say that that was the end of my mental health journey, but it is not. Um, I was raised in a very, very conservative community. I was homeschooled my entire um, school career, <clears throat> all the way through high school. And during this time, um, I dealt with anxiety. I will say my fear of fire was gone after that night. That was a miracle. Um, but I, my anxiety switched to other things. I began um, dealing with body dysmorphia, um, eating disorders, high anger. Um, this was all on the inside, though. On the outside, I was high-performing, highly talented, people-pleasing. Um, as Christy said, really, really good with details. That's anxiety. You're welcome. Um, so I also uh, dealt with depression, extreme loneliness, um, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking. It's all right. And I began to struggle with suicidal ideation. <clears throat> At 16 years old, I began self-harming, and uh, as well as um, anorexia and bulimia. At this point, I graduated high school. Um, I began seeking help from my doctor and seeing my physician one-on-one -on -one instead of with my parents. And every time I would go in to the doctor's office, they would ask me how I was doing, and I would break down in tears. I didn't know why. I didn't know why that, that word, that, that phrase set me off. But after a few months of that, the doctor was like, hey, so I really think you could, should consider maybe trying an antidepressant. And I told them I would think about it. Um, at this point, I was also diagnosed with um, endometriosis, and so I was prescribed um, birth control pills. My parents, being very uh, conservative, told me that if I began birth control pills, I could not live at the house anymore, <clears throat> as well as the anxiety meds. So I moved out. I moved in with a friend, and I began cosmetology school. I don't know if any of you have been to cosmetology school, but this was essentially throwing an incredibly sheltered, uh, naive 18-year-old into a ticking time bomb of estrogen. Um, it was, it was horrible. Um, I did not know at that time, but you cannot live on a pack of Twizzlers a day. That was that was my normal meal, um, and so during school I began. Um, getting very sick, and my body started breaking down as well as my mental health even further. Um, let me find my place. Um, I got so sick that I began missing school and had to drop out completely. Um, at this point, I was very transient. I did live with my then-boyfriend, who is now my husband, um, and I was essentially a shut-in. I didn't go anywhere, I didn't do anything, um, just kind of sat there, um, sick and alone. Um, oh, I will say, sorry, kind of important part. Before I finally left home, when I got sick, I had um, moved back in with my parents, which 
felt very, very much like I had given up on myself. And at this point, I tried to commit suicide twice. Um, and that's when I left home. I realized that I could not be there any longer, and I just, I had to get out. So at this point, I was 19. <clears throat> I left home. I was living with Caleb, um, and that's when we got pregnant with our oldest, Liam. Um, in August of 2013, at six months pregnant, Caleb and I got married, and in November, I had Liam. I did not realize at this time, but I was uh, at that point struggling with postpartum depression and anxiety. Uh, a lot of this was because I had to stop my meds when I got pregnant with Liam. And three months after I <laughs> had Liam, we got pregnant with James. So November of 2014, we had James. And I don't know if any of you heard, have heard of natal teeth. Anyone? Yes? No? Uh, James was born with teeth. So I could not breastfeed him. And this, uh, like, this very much contributed to uh, a lot of guilt. Um, and uh, I, I felt like I wasn't, I couldn't be a good mom to him. I couldn't connect with him. And I just, I struggled. And after about six weeks of me staying up all night sobbing in the corner of the kitchen just for no reason, um, Caleb told me I needed help. Um, and it was help that he couldn't, he couldn't give me. So I went back and talked to my OBGYN and finally filled out the questionnaire that they give you for postpartum depression and anxiety. I finally filled it out honestly. Because here's the thing. Um, we all know how to fill it out so that they don't ask us questions. So I finally filled it out honestly, and she asked me if I wanted to get back on meds, and I said yes. Um, and I will tell you, when I began to retake my meds, it felt like I could breathe again. I, it, it was a, another moment of, oh my gosh, why did I wait so long to do this? And a lot of that is because of all the stigmas surrounding anxiety medication and depression and the way I was raised, and it was like, I wasn't good enough. I couldn't do it. So then three months after we had James, uh, we got pregnant with Zane. Uh, birth control does not work for us. I will just, we are the 0.1%. <clears throat> um, and after I had Zane, I was able to connect with him. And there's a lot of guilt surrounding that, that I was not able to connect as well with the first two um, as well as Zane, and it shows Zane is a stage four clinger, and, but that's okay, because he's a kid, and you know he eventually will not be around anymore. So <laughs> it's true. Um, at this point, we uh, finally found a church community that we really thought we were, um, was a good community. We got very involved. Um, I began my people-pleasing phase and fully invested in this community. Um, and it was this way until uh, I thought that this was the, the best thing that had happened to me. Um, and then we had Gwen, finally, uh, in 2018. And then COVID hit. And COVID made it very, very obvious that this community that I thought was so great was so flawed. And it was all about the outward appearance. And at this time, we not only lost our church community, which we were 
fully involved in on a weekly basis. It was my main social gathering. Um, And as a stay-at-home mom, those weekly gatherings, those are important. Those are very important. Um, We were plunged into severe isolation, as were many people. At this point, I turned to alcohol and began having uh, a lot of doubts and... um, I was just very disillusioned with church in general. This was it. This was the last straw. I was raised in church, and nobody, you know, stepped up and helped me. Um, this this community just completely let me down. And so I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just done. And during this time, my, my, my family also, um, very strained relationship, and that made me begin to um, kind of break down those relationships as, as well. And... I realized that I had no idea who I was outside of this people-pleasing motherhood role that I had thrown myself into my entire life. Um, And so in 2021, I began counseling online, which is a very different experience. I was diagnosed with ADHD and began meds, and my life changed. I could focus again. Um, As with many counseling experiences, it got a lot worse before it got better. I, we ended up in marriage counseling um, where I was diagnosed with PTSD and uh, narcissistic abuse from narcissistic abuse. I began at this point having um, suicidal ideation, came back up, and after about two weeks of self-harming, again, I told my husband about it <clears throat> and uh, tried to commit suicide in February of 2022. On Valentine's Day in 2022, I spent uh, 10 hours at an intake facility um, waiting to be evaluated for a hospitalization program. I spent 10 hours there, even though I'd I'd had an appointment, because um, it was a uh, triage facility, which means that the more um, intense people, intense cases got treated first. Um, but I knew if I left that building, I would not come back. So I waited. And I was placed into partial partial hospitalization program over in Dublin Springs, which is two weeks of outpatient treatment. You go at 9 o'clock in the morning, and you get out between 2.30 and 3 in the afternoon. And if you don't show up, they send the police to your door. Um, So... We, uh, I did that, and there are a few things that I learned in there that were very, very important to me were it's okay to be temporary in someone's life. You know, my entire life I had had this feeling that if I wasn't um, fulfilling all of these people's needs and trying to fix people around me, if I wasn't doing everything that I could, I was a failure. I was not doing God's work. And so it's okay to be temporary in someone's life. Um, you can't fix pe- other people for them. You are worth the work it takes to become your best self. And boundaries are healthy, really, really healthy. It was at this point that I realized I had finally come out of survival mode. Um, And survival mode is a state of uh, stress. Your body... um, believes that you are in serious danger, and so it's constantly releasing cortisol, and you're getting these high, extreme emotions, um, heightened uh, perception, anxiety, depression, and people who have 
the PTSD diagnosis, especially complex PTSD, have lived in this state of mind for a very, very long time. And I can honestly tell you, I don't remember a single moment in my life that I was not in that state of mind. Um, and it's very unhealthy. It can cause uh, early, obviously, suicidal ideation. It can cause heart problems because your, your heart is constantly under stress. Um, and so I began, or I continued my deconstruction process. And that's when I found um, this community, thanks to the Smiths. And Joe um, did a series on faith deconstruction. And it was the first time I had ever heard of faith deconstruction in a positive light. And it got me thinking, and I, when Joe asked me to do this, I began to kind of focus on that. And I realized that deconstruction is not the negative thing that it, it it's stereotypically been placed under. It's not doubt, it's not, yeah, it's not the negative, but it's God's grace. God has given us this, the ability to deconstruct and take out, pick out all of the different very human things that have been placed in our faith and give us back that blanket of comfort that the nine-year-old girl terrified of fire had was given and so my official diagnoses are ADHD PTSD bulimia nervosa major depressive disorder generalized anxiety disorder and I am happy to talk with anybody about any of these things if you would like to I will be honest I can't always help you but I will listen my favorite um, verse, my favorite Bible verse that has stuck with me, I found this verse when I was 15, which I find very, very interesting, um, is Proverbs 14.10, and it states, each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. And so your mental health, God knows that it's very, very individual. It is supposed to be yours, um, and you're supposed to take care of itself, yourself. Um, and that's not turning your back on God. That's turning yourself towards the person he wants you to be. Um, I am very much not cured, I can tell you that. Um, But I'm no longer in survival mode, and that in itself is a win. Um, So that's me. Hold on, hold on a second. Can 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 you read that verse one more time? Yeah, I want to hear that verse again. I'm going to sit um, with that one. I, I don't need to read it. I have it memorized. Can you memorize that um, verse for us? It's Proverbs 14.10. Uh, Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. Whew. There's a proverb for you. That's the Bible. That's good stuff. If the band wants to come up, we'll get ready to close. I want to do a little exercise with you. Uh, as I mentioned, we're going to walk through these cards, and I'll provide biblical uh, basis for each one of these activities. But for now, what I'd like for you to do is just pull this out. If you've got it, pull it out. I want you to look through these cards. Um, we've heard a couple of big stories, heavy stories today, um, that make, make us feel all kinds of things. And that's okay. It's good to feel these things. Um, yesterday, and I'll share more of this next week, yesterday we launched, uh, in partnership with Mothers of Murdered Columbus Children, an initiative to reduce violence in the city. 
And at this uh, launch event, I heard dozens of stories of moms who lost their kids. So I'm, I'm feeling all kinds of, I mean, this is a lot of, that's a lot, you know, in, in two days, a lot of stuff. And um, I want you to just take a moment here. And these are um, really great ways to process stress, anxiety, that sort of thing. So what I'd encourage you to do is to pull it out. And just for a couple of moments in silence, I want you to look through these. And I want to ask yourself, as you sit with some of these stories, what is uh, what, what, what one of these might help you process it? Whether it be pausing to breathe, which we're going to do before we close, um, pulling up some music on your way home, doing something fun. There's nothing wrong with doing something fun as a way to process and to feel better. Uh, moving, exercising is a great way to work through. Uh, taking some time to rest. Um, finding some quiet space. Talking to somebody, that's the connect one or uh, eating something healthy. All of these are really basic human things that can help us um, connect with our bodies and to feel better. They're all biblically based as well, and we'll talk about that more next week. But I want you to just take a moment and ask yourself um, which one of these might help you process some of what you've heard or the fears and anxieties that you have. Let's spend uh, spend a few moments in silence. We'll talk more about these in the coming weeks, but uh, I do hope that you'll hold on to this. And today, before we stand for our closing song, I'm, we're going to practice one. The, the thing that I want to give you permission is, is whatever you're feeling, whatever you're experiencing, um, God knows it. God is with you. And it's okay to take the time you need to process it, to sit with it, to wrestle with it, to deconstruct with it, whatever whatever it is you're going through. So, one of the ways I remind myself of that is taking some deep breaths. So I'm going to invite you uh, and pretend like you're, you're a yoga instructor if you've done that. But uh, let's just take a breath in. Then you can hold it for a second and release. We're reminded in the book of Genesis that as God created humankind, God breathed life into it, and we can be reminded every time we take a deep breath in and let a breath out, whatever it is we're facing, whatever it is the weight that we're carrying, that God is with us in the very breath that we breathe. God, we give you thanks that you're able to meet us in unique and special ways. We give you thanks for the stories that we heard today the ways in which they inspire, encourage, challenge. Help us to be a people that love one another. Help us to be a people that loves everyone, no matter who they are, what they're facing. Help us to be a people that believe one another when we share our hard stories. And we can listen, be empathetic, and love one another as you love us. In your name, amen.